Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to the Whoa That's Good podcast, y'all. I'm so excited for today's podcast because I have someone on here who has really helped me so much in my life and I know has helped so many people. Um, we have Dr. Amon on. Let me give you a little backstory on him. He is a husband. He's a father, but he also does so many things with his incredible life. He's an author of several books. He's a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. He's, he's a million things and he knows so much about the brain and he helps people become healthy healthier in their life by really focusing on their brain. So I'm really thankful for him and the impact he's made on my life. And y'all will hear more about that as I interview him. But uh, without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Amen. Thank you, Sadie. What a joy to see you. Yes, this is awesome. So I can't wait to dive in. But first, I have to ask the question of the podcast. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? So I thought about that, and it reminds me of a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Byron Katie. Uh, she wrote this great book called Loving What Is. Mm. And the piece of advice is when you argue with reality, mm. welcome to hell. Wow. And I just, I think about that all the time. If I'm having a bad day, it's like rather than fight it, just try to be curious about it, not furious. Yeah. Uh, I think that's something you and I chatted about. Um, curious, not furious. And, you know, accept what is. I sort of wanted to be a center for the Los Angeles Lakers, but, you know, at 5'6", just not going to <laughs> So if I argued with it, it, it just, you know, it's like, go do something else. <laughs> Yes, that's so good. I love that because we could sit and argue for a long time and get nowhere. So that's such great advice. Um, obviously, a lot of people know who you are. You have been a part of, you know, being a lot of celebrities, doctors. You also have TED Talks with millions of views. You've written books and all that stuff. But what was your journey to getting where you are? Why did you why, why are you so fascinated by the brain? How did it start? Well, when I turned 18, uh, Vietnam was still going on and I became an infantry medic where my love of medicine was born. Hmm. But about a year into it, I realized I didn't really like being shot at. Some yep, people yep. like that. It just wasn't no. for me. Yeah, no. um, and so I got retrained as an x-ray technician and developed really a passion for medical imaging. As hmm. our professors used to say, how do you know unless you look? Hmm. And then I got out of the army and I went to finish college and went to medical school. And when I was a second year medical student, someone I loved tried to kill herself. And wow. I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist. And I came to realize if he helped her, it wouldn't just help her. 
that ultimately it would help her children and her grandchildren now that you have a baby. Mm. You realize your mental health completely impacts the baby's mental health. And so I fell in love with psychiatry because I realized it has the potential to change generations of people. But I fell in love with the only medical specialty that never looks at the organ it treats. Mm. And I knew it was wrong because of my imaging background and I knew it would change. Mm. I just had no idea I'd be involved in the change. And over the last 30 years, we built the world's largest database of brain wow. scans related to behavior. We have 185,000 scans on people from 150 countries. And it just taught me that, so, so the big lesson mm -hmm. is that most psychiatric problems, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, um, OCD, PTSD, are not mental health issues hmm. at all. Wow. They're brain health issues that steal people's minds. Get your brain right and your mind will follow. And hmm. one of my favorite stories, I'm in Justin Bieber's new docuseries, Seasons. And, you know, like many celebrities, he'd sort of do what I said some of the time. <laughs> and, um, but one day he walked into my office and he said, my brain is an organ like my heart is an organ. If you told me I had heart problems, I'd do everything you said. Right. He said, I'm going to start doing everything you say. And then it just got dramatically better. Wow. And if we can just stop calling these things mental illnesses, right? When you call somebody mental, that shames them. Right. But when you call them a brain, it elevates Thing. Right. So let's start talking about brain health issues rather than mental illness. Wow, that's so cool. That's great. I remember you sharing with me how your mental health directly affects your child's mental health. And you told me that before I was pregnant with Honey. And I was so thankful that you did because I started getting my brain healthy, not knowing that months later I was going to be pregnant. And I really focus on that whenever I was pregnant with her. I really focus on the things that you gave me to work through anxiety so I didn't, you know, have all that anxiety sitting on me whenever I had her in my womb, you know? And so I was so, so grateful for that. And I kind of shared with people on the last podcast how much anxiety I was going through after I had Honey, which is when I called you. But I really didn't struggle with it when I was pregnant with her. And a huge part of that was because I really worked on it. And so we'll get to that later. Um, but I want people to understand the importance of taking care of their brain. Because honestly, when you showed me the scans, I was like, wow. Like, okay, brain health is important. And there are things that we do that really affect our brain and how we think. And so from your perspective, in a nutshell, what is the importance of really taking care of your brain? Why is it so important? Well, and nobody cares about their brain. Why? Because you can't see it. You can see the wrinkles in your skin or the fat around your belly, and you can do something when you're unhappy with those. But in, in 1991, when I started looking at the brain, I didn't care about my own brain. And I was the top neuroscience student in medical school as a double board certified psychiatrist. And I just didn't care. But when I saw it and saw it wasn't mm. healthy because I played football in high school, I had meningitis when I was a young soldier and I had bad habits. I wasn't sleeping. I ate bad food. 
um, I looked at it and I developed a concept I call brain envy. <laughs> I always say Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's problem. Um, it's brain. You got to love and care for your brain. And when, when I did, years later, my brain's better. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Hmm. With a better brain, your mind is better. Your energy is better. Your decision-making is better. Your relationships are better. Everything is better. See, people don't really sort of connect it, even though everybody really knows your brain controls everything you do, how you think, how you feel, how you act, how you get along with other people. Mm -hmm. And when it works right, you work right. Mm -hmm. And when it's troubled, you have trouble in your life that then people start medicating you for without ever looking. Right. And that's what I'm like, no, that's not right. okay. Right. The, you want to see, like, mm -hmm. with your brain, part of that, you it, it was hurt. And you told me about an accident you had when you were 16. Um, and it's like, no, we have to fix that. Mm -hmm. And your emotional brain worked too hard. Like, there was trauma. And there was mm -hmm. trauma. And so working through all of that, not as there's something wrong with you because right. you're amazing, yeah. but it's just like balancing it. I saw an eight-year-old boy uh, the other day who was really struggling with his moods and his temper, and, and I'm like, you have a great brain. Hmm. It's sort of like a Ferrari engine that's just not tuned right. So mm -hmm. let me tune it so you can use it. See, there's no shame mm -hmm. in that. As opposed right. to you have this, so you should take that and you have to right. take it for the rest of your life. And it's like, no, 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 let's not think like that. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I remember whenever you showed me my brain scan and you were explaining it and it all made so much sense. And I remember one of the things that you saw was how active the part of my brain is where things spiral, like thoughts spiral. And I was like, yes, like I get stuck on a thought. And that was kind of even what I shared with you after having honey, like the thought of, is she okay? Is she going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? And it's just over and over and over and over that thought. And then of course it bleeds out as an anxiety attack, like, cause I get so anxious, I get so worked up. Um, 
But I loved how you explained everything and showing me my brain. And I know there's so many practical things for how to help that. I remember the reason I went to you is because I heard that you don't just give people medicine. And that was kind of the thing. It was like when I'd share with the doctor I had bad anxiety, they're like, here, here's medication. I'm like, no, I don't want to take that because I I know I can work through this, you know. And um, so when I shared with you and I talked to you um, with the things that I went through and the things that I was struggling with and just simple things that you helped me walk through. And yes, what we talked through, but even the breathing and the, which we'll get to in a minute and the ants and all those things, like I actually saw such improvement on my life that I didn't have to get on medication. I was very thankful for that. And so I love how you look at things and I love how you work things out. And I think, you know, for people you know, they might say, well, what if my brain's already bad, right? Well, that's the thing. You're not saying, hey, everybody come to me with a perfect brain. You're like, even if your brain is bad, these are the things that help. And so I wrote down some of the practical tips you gave me that I wanted you to kind of talk about a little bit. Share with them what the concept of ants are in your life, because I was a classic fortune teller ant. You know, anybody that has panic attacks, they're masterful at predicting the worst. Yes. And then they make it worse still. (laughs) And um, many years ago, I had a really bad day at work. I saw four suicidal patients, two couples who hated each other, and two teenagers who'd run away from home. And I got home and I was so stressed. And I came home to an ant infestation in my house. And as I was cleaning up all the ants, I thought to myself, automatic negative thoughts. My patients are infested, just like my kitchen was (laughs) infested. We need to get an anteater. So I have an anteater. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, You need an anteater in your head to help you not believe every stupid thing you think yes thoughts lie they lie a lot and it's our uninvestigated thoughts that ruin people's lives Mm -hmm. thoughts come from our genes right if your parents or grandparents had traumas that that trauma actually will get written into their genetic code Mm -hmm. babies are not born as a blank slate Hmm. Everything that happened uh, to our ancestors sort of gets written into our genes. Hmm. They come from the traumas we experience. They come from the voices of our parents and siblings and friends and enemies, the news, the music we listen to. And just because you have a thought has nothing to do with whether or not it's true Mm. or helpful. That's good. And one of the things that you and I worked on is whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And then just ask yourself, is it true? Can I absolutely know if it's true? How does the thought make me feel? Who would I be without it? And then my favorite part of killing the ants is take the original thought, honey's gonna get sick, and flip it to the opposite, honey's not gonna get sick, Mm -hmm. and just go, so which is true. And it's just about questioning Mm -hmm. your thoughts and not just believe them because you have them. And no lie, I was 28 years old before I learned this that I don't have to believe everything I think. It was so freeing Mm. 
mm-hmm. that I just had to share it with everybody. I love that. I love it. You don't have to believe everything you think. And I think that was the problem because I was like, oh, well, if I'm thinking it, then it must be true. Then it must be about to happen. Or even, you know, we do that in silly scenarios, like with friends, like, I bet they're thinking that they have to be, you know, I bet that they don't like me. I bet that this and like, if you believe all that, you become really insecure about yourself and you think no one likes you when in reality, that's just not true. But it all stemmed from this original thought. Um, and yes, when you told me to start questioning my thoughts, it was so good for me. And now I'm like, is that true? And I'm always like, no, is it absolutely true? Nope, not at all. And is that benefiting my life at all to think about? No. So I need to stop thinking about it. But I love whenever I was talking to you about, um, you know, just uh, the initial call when I called you a postpartum, I was telling you all that I was going through. And you're like, okay, first of all, let's get rid of all the what ifs or what could have happened or what should have happened because it's not helping you and it's not helping anyone. And I was like, you're right. And even just in that one sentence, like it just freed me from so many thoughts because I didn't even realize like 80% of my thoughts were like what could have, what should have, what if that didn't even happen, you know? And so why am I focusing on all of those things when it's just making me incredibly anxious whenever I could be incredibly grateful? And so I that really helped me. Another thing that you've taught me that has really shaped, you know, even just moments in my life before I go on stage, I do this. Before I enter into a hard conversation, I do this. Is my breathing techniques that you've taught me. Um, so share with people how breathing is actually really important to the way that your brain responds to things. So your brain is about 2% of your body's weight, about three pounds. Hmm. But it uses 20% of the oxygen and the blood flow in your body. Wow. And when we get anxious, our breathing tends to get shallow and fast and inefficient. And the simplest way to break a panic attack. So there are four quick steps. But one is don't leave the situation when you're having a panic attack unless it's dangerous, right? If you're walking in downtown Detroit at two in the morning, leave. Leave. (laughs) That, by the way, I just want to make a note real fast. That really helped me because I remember sharing with you in your office, you said, what do you normally do when I have a panic attack? I say, well, I normally get up and go to the bathroom or something to like try to like calm down. Or I remember when I was on the plane and I walked up the plane because I thought the plane was going to crash, all these fortune teller things, and I would just leave. And you said, don't leave. And I was like, oh, that's my first step. So- That was already good to hear. The second one is breathe. And in a very specific way, I want you to take four seconds to breathe in. So big breath, but then eight seconds to breathe out and try to breathe diaphragmatically, which means let the energy of breathing go lower in your body. And that breathing pattern, take twice as long to breathe out as you breathe in, will actually trigger an automatic relaxation response in your body. So what you're doing is you're flooding your brain with oxygen. So you're becoming more efficient Mm -hmm. and telling your brain it's time to settle down. Because when you breathe in that fast and efficient way, 
the world sort of starts to close in on you Mm -hmm. and you get anxious and you feel panicky. Now you have to practice. There's an app I like called awesome breathing. We're actually (laughs) program it, uh, to go four seconds in eight seconds out. And it's so simple, so easy. Mm -hmm. And, just sort of breaks a panic attack quickly. Mm-hmm. And then write down what you're thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So don't leave, breathe with your belly slowly, write down what you're thinking, correct it. And then if you're still anxious, something simple like GABA or magnesium or theanine, um, because too often people go to the family doctor and they go, oh, I'm having panic attacks and they give them Xanax mm-hmm. or Clonopin or Ativan which are addictive and it's like once you start them you won't be able to stop them right and i'm not opposed to medicine please if you're listening to the podcast don't stop your medicine mm-hmm. talk to your doctor but let, let's give you skills mm-hmm. not just pills yeah. and then i love that because you learn them and then you implement mm-hmm. them and then you feel them right yep Even I love whenever you told me to put my hands under warm water, um, which was such a simple thing. But I remember one night I kind of woke up in a panic attack, which was so strange because, you know, I didn't have a chance to even do all of my things because I just woke up and I was in a panic attack. And I remember Christian said, go put your hands under warm water. And in the moment I looked at him like, what? Like, why would I do that? That was This was before I'd ever tried that. But I, he remembered you saying that because he came with me to our session. And I went and put my hands under warm water and literally I stopped shaking. I stopped. I wasn't afraid. Like, it was so weird. And so it's just weird how your body, you know, responds to fear sometimes, even in moments that you're not necessarily afraid. Like, even when your brain gets overworked in a day or you know, all day I had been thinking so many thoughts about everything I have to get done and whatnot, and it all just kind of caught up to me. And I guess that just really calmed me down. And so I just love how practical these tips are that really help. Because there was a time in my life where I thought like, oh, this is just the way that I am. Like, I'm just an anxious person, you know, this just happens to me, you know, Um, but not realizing that I can actually do something to help it. And that's not just the way that I am. That's the way that my brain tends to think, but I can help myself. And so that was really inspiring. Um, For people wondering how they can help themselves, what are some things that are just bad for your brain in general? Well, you know, let me push on what you said uh, a little bit more. You are in good shape. And that takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. to be in good shape. And it's like day in and day out. You have to eat right and exercise and do the right things to take care of your body. But nobody thinks that about mental health Mm. or brain health. It's these are practices we need to do all the time. Right. Um, And another technique, I don't remember if we talked about it, but it's called give your mind a name Mm. to psychologically distance, to separate from the chatter in your head. Mm -hmm. And when I first heard of this, I'm like, what would I name my mind? And I named it actually after my pet raccoon when I was (laughs) 16. I had a pet raccoon. Her name was Hermie. And she was, I loved her, but she was a troublemaker. Um, She got me into all sorts of hot water with my mother. She TP'd her bathroom, ate my sister's goldfish. Oh my God. And 
and that's my mind. My mind and your mind is a troublemaker. It's just like holds up signs like you're an idiot or <laughs> you're a failure or bad things are going to happen. And when you give your mind a name, you can actually separate from it and you can choose to listen to it hmm. or not to listen to it. There's a new Disney movie out I love called Luca. And uh, there's a whole part in there where one of the boys tells the other one to give his mind a name and tell it to shut up. It was really fun. Wow. Um, and so, so one, mental discipline, like physical discipline, you want to be mentally healthy, you have to work it. Mm -hmm. And these are practices to do every day not believe everything you think breathe especially diaphragmatically or breathe with your belly brain health is three things it's brain envy got to care about it uh avoid things that hurt it know the list and do things that help it mm. so what hurts the brain not sleeping mm. sleep is so critical see when i first saw my scan it wasn't healthy because i thought i was special that I could get by on four hours of sleep at night. I was so excited about my life and my clinic and writing that I didn't sleep much. And then I, as I read the research, I realized I wasn't special. I was stupid <laughs> <laughs> because when you sleep, your brain cleans and washes itself. It actually tidies it up and wow. gets it ready for the next day. And so if you're, and this is very important for new mothers, if you're only sleeping three or four hours because you're up at night with the baby, um, you're not, your decision-making is not going to be quite as good. Yeah. So making sure you get dad involved to really help or, you know, some of your other family, if you have them, it's just absolutely critical yeah. to get six, seven, eight hours of sleep at night. You know, one of the reasons for postpartum depression is you felt so good when you were pregnant because your progesterone levels were really high. Mm -hmm. And then you felt so anxious because they dropped like right. a rock. And so getting your hormones checked is really important, which means we should always avoid hormone disruptors. Mm. And what are those? Things like parabens and phthalates and fragrance. And often the products we put on our body are disrupting our hormones. So I probably had you download the app Think Dirty, which is you get to scan all of your personal products and they'll tell you on a scale of one to 10 how quickly they're killing you. Wow. <laughs> um, and so getting your hormones checked and optimized saunas are so good because they help detoxify us. And there's actually a study in JAMA Psychiatry that showed one infrared sauna had antidepressant effects. Wow. And of course we should talk about alcohol. It is not a health food. It is not a good anti-anxiety. It helps you feel better quickly, but makes you feel bad in the long run. So I'm mm -hmm. not a fan at all of alcohol or marijuana. Marijuana will help you feel better for some people quickly, but then it stays in your body 30 days and has a negative impact on brain function Wow! and bad food. Uh, you think it tastes great. And I always love this. I just want you to love food that loves you back. <laughs> That's good. Um, 
you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad relationship, but I've been in a bad relationship and I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> and I'm for certain not doing it with food. Yeah. So whenever I go to eat something, it's like, well, do I love it? And does it love me back? Mm -hmm. So food really matters because your brain, again, it's 2% of your body's weight, but uses 25% of the calories you consume. So how you eat determines how you think and how wow. you feel and how you act. It's incredible. Well, it's so good to think about these things because you're right. These are things that are so important, but we just don't think about, but they have such a huge effect on our life if we do think about them. Um, one thing I wanted you to share, because I talked about this in my postpartum episode when I talked about how I was dealing with so much fear, but I like didn't want to admit to it because I was also so happy and joyful. And I felt like to admit that I was afraid, it was taking away from how happy I really truly was. But I kind of realized that it wasn't that it was taking away, it was that they kind of went hand in hand. I was afraid because I love her so much and I didn't want anything to happen to her. But the fear wasn't helping me love her more, right? Um, and I love one thing that you talked about, which was the idea of gratitude. Gratitude being such a powerful force. And so share with people um, the power of gratitude in those moments that you are feeling so anxious. It's a daily practice, mm -hmm. um, just like working out. Mm -hmm. If you can focus on what you love about your life, mm -hmm. your brain actually works better. When yeah. you focus on it's fear, cool. it turns off your frontal lobes and just gives free reign to the anxiety. Mm. And so writing down three things you're grateful for every day. So I have a couple of daily practices that really help me. Um, I start every day with today is going to be a great day. And that way my mind finds what's right rather than what's wrong. And I end every day with what went well today. So when I put myself to sleep at night, I say a prayer and then I go, what went well? And mm -hmm. I start at the beginning of the day. And as That's I cool. sort of review the day from a positive standpoint, it actually sets my dreams up to be more positive. That's cool. And my dad died about um, a year ago. And the night, the day he died, I did this. Now, the raccoon popped up and goes, how can you go, what went well today? Your dad died. You are an awful, evil person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's my habit, right? You do what you do. And because it was my habit, um, I said a prayer. And then I thought about this great interaction between my mom and the police officer. I thought about all the texts I got from the people who love me. And then I thought about holding his hand before the mortuary took him away. And I just remembered how soft it was. And then I went to sleep, hmm. which is a night I usually wouldn't have slept very well. Right. Even in hard times, um, you can manage your mind, but you have to do it all the time. Because wow. if you do it all the time, then when hard times come, you have skill mm. to manage those things. And yeah. 
if you're a believer, you believe that really nothing is hard. Yeah. Well, you're, that's so powerful. That's so cool. And I just love that you've really stressed on like the power of the habit, like having a habit can really get you through hard times because you still had that same healthy habit, just like working out. We I have a habit of doing that, I have a habit of being healthy. And that really helps me even when I'm sick, you know, to, to be healthier and stronger. And so that is really cool that these habits actually end up helping you through the hard times of your life. I know you mentioned being a believer and that's something that we've related on. And I love how you talk about how you are using your gift to actually help the church. Um, and I think, I think that's so so cool because I think everybody has ministry, right? I mean, if you are in your position, you have a clinic and you're scanning brains, like you have an opportunity to minister. If you're a teacher, if you're, you know, a lawyer, if you are a nanny, or if you are in ministry yourself, you're all you all have an opportunity to work for the kingdom. And so, share about how important you think it is for the church to be healthy because I love what you did with Rick Warren and and stuff like that. Well, you know, I went to Oral Roberts University. I went to a Christian medical school and dearly loved it. But in the church, there's this sort of um, attitude where if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, it's because you have sin in your life. Mm. And I've always hated that because your brain can have problems just like your heart can have problems. And so we've really worked hard to get the church to embrace brain health, mental health issues, and be supportive rather than hurtful, which it can be sometimes. Right. And then it was 10 years ago, uh, almost 11 years ago now, actually, Pastor Warren called me and said, I'm fat, my church is fat, will you (laughs) help me? And we created the Daniel Plan, which was a program to get the world healthy through churches, And the first week at Saddleback, 15,000 people signed up. The first year, they lost a quarter of a million pounds. (laughs) And subsequently, thousands of churches around the world have done this program. And the idea is we get sick together or we get better together. Mm -hmm. And uh, the church is so important that we really want it to be a place of physical and mental health because then spiritual health is better. Right. Um, And uh, it was really one of the biggest blessings of my life. That's so cool. I loved, I heard a quote from you one time where you said, you were talking about how churches give out donuts and ice cream and have hot dog parties. (laughs) And you said, Here's the thing, church, we're sending them to heaven faster. <laughs> I was like, that is true. That is true. Um, one last question I had, and honestly, I'm, I haven't talked to you about this, so I don't know if this is something that you have you know, started looking at study. I'm sure you have, but what do you feel like social media's effect on our brain is? And do you think it's positive, negative? Can it be both? Um, what are your, kind of your thoughts on social media? Um, clearly it can be both. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to connect. It's the way you connect with millions of people and they can be uplifted. Uh, but it's also addictive mm-hmm. and it can distract people from real relationships. Right. So we have to be really careful. 
um, I don't know if you've watched The Social Dilemma. Yes. Um, it's horrifying. Yes. Because very. the social media companies are ultimately companies that make money. Hmm. And they make money on what sells. Right. And what sells is anxiety. What sells is fear. What hmm. sells is disaster. And so they promote topics of conflict, fear, and anxiety, and that is worsening uh, the mindset mm. of America. Uh, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm. And so I wake up every morning with the Good News Network. I want to know what's what right good thing in happened. the world yes. because there's so much that, right, and people should write this down. Where you bring your attention determines how you feel. Hmm. And um, I wrote a book called The End of Mental Illness because I just, I hate the term mental illness. And in it, I imagined if I was an evil ruler and I wanted to create mental illness in America, what would I do? And I create social media and the news networks hmm. because they give us a bias, a negatively biased look at the world mm -hmm. because that's what the brain pays attention to. Right. The brain naturally pays attention to fear as a way to protect itself. Yes. And uh, they, they use that natural tendency. So as individuals and moms, we sort of have to fuss with it. Mm -hmm. And I think with honey and any other babies that you might have, I think if you just start every day with today is going to be a great day. I like that. Why is your day going to be a great way? We do, do that at breakfast and we do at dinner go with the kids. What went well today? Mm. Just to get them trained to look for what's right not only for what's wrong. I love that. That's great. I am writing my next book right now called Who Are You Following? And it's talking about following Jesus in a social media obsessed world. And so I was really curious to that. And I love that you said where you're are giving your attention will affect how you feel because I was kind of talking about that. It's like what we give our worship to, what we follow, what we even praise and comment on, like that all is affecting where life is leading us, right? Um, because who we're following is who is leading, you know? And so I, I love that you said that and that makes so much sense. Um, last thing I wanted to, to say, and I just wanted to hear the hope that you have for this because honestly, I love you talking about the end to mental illness because mental illness is something that has become strangely almost like a popular thing to say. Um, actually, I went to several universities about two years ago doing like a tour and I talked to so many sorority girls and really just asked, so what do you see on campus? What's what's kind of the biggest struggle? And everybody said mental illness. It was like, we all struggle with mental illness, dot, 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 because either we struggle with perfectionism or we struggle with we are so stressed or we struggle with anxiety or we're depressed and all this stuff. And, you know, I look at that and I see the lifestyle that 
a lot of college students are living, and I can see why you would feel as though you feel mentally ill, right? No wonder you feel so anxious. No wonder you feel depressed. No wonder you feel like you have to uphold a perfect standard because, you know, of kind of even the culture that you're in as a college student. Um, however, it scares me to think about a generation growing up right now and about to lead all thinking that they struggle with mental illness. And so what would be your encouragement to that college student, that the hope that you have for that college student that, hey, you might think that you have mental illness, but actually there's hope for your future because? Yeah, let's not call it mental illness. Let's just call it I'm having a brain health issue that I can impact. Yeah. And whenever I think about people, I always think of them in four big circles. It's what's the biology? Uh, are you eating right? Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? Mm -hmm. Are you taking simple supplements, multiple vitamin, fish oil, vitamin D? Um, are you nourishing your brain? So let's get the physical functioning of your brain right. And too often, and my daughter's just getting ready to go off to TCU. Uh, and you know, they talk about the freshman 15 and, um, you know, when kids are away from home, they're not doing quite the right structure for themselves. Um, and then let's get your mind right. Let's teach you not to believe every stupid thing you think and give your mind a name and learn really mind management techniques. And then let's make sure your relationships are right. So biological, psychological, mm -hmm. social, who you hang out with matters. Um, and spiritual, which too many psychiatrists never talk about, right. but it's why do you care? Yeah. What is your deepest sense of meaning and purpose? Because if you know why you're on the planet and you've enhanced your brain and managed your mind and worked on your relationships, we're just going to be happier because yep. ultimately, ultimately, that's what we want. We want to be happy. But guess what? Purposeful people are happier and pleasure is the enemy hmm. of happiness because when you get too much pleasure, it actually wears out your pleasure centers. That's why fame, early fame is really not very good for your brain because it wears out your pleasure centers and then you feel flat. Right. Um, and so too many people are like, oh, I want followers and I want fame. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> That's a great thing. Yep. Right. Yeah. And Joe, you, you and I both know a lot of really famous people and their level of happiness is no better uh, than people who are just going to a regular job yep. every day Very because true. of the stress associated with it. Wow. Come on, man. I really could listen to you talk all day, but that everything you said is so important. And I want people to really soak on that and really think about the things that you said and put it into practice. I can say uh, from a true testimony that you have truly helped me a ton. You have helped my brain. You've helped my life. You've helped my relationship with Christian, my relationship to my daughter as a mom. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. So thank you for caring about my brain. And I hope that people care about theirs too. Um, for more on Dr. Amen, he has several books out. You can Google him and see it all. You can also follow him on Amen Clinic Clinics. I think that's your Instagram, Dr. Amen Clinics. 
Doc underscore Amen. He has his own clinic. He's amazing. And I'm telling you, uh, you will definitely benefit from following some of these simple instructions. So thank you, Dr. Amen, for your beautiful heart and sharing with us today. Thanks, Sadie. So great to see you. You too.